0: So we see Paul is saying all the things that he he gave up and counts loss, you know he gives a whole list of his credentials, and he says, "If anybody who is among mankind had reason to boast, it was me, but none of that stuff that I boasted in was worth boasting in um it was it was nothing compared to what he was in the eyes of Jesus, and he realized he was nothing in the eyes of Jesus." And the closer that he got to God, the the farther along he went into his ministry, he he presented even lower opinions of himself. Uh, You know, in one of the epistles he says, I am the least of the apostles. And then in his last letter to Timothy, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Present tense. It's good to be with you. Um, if you could start out this morning by turning to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is where we will uh, do our introduction. Um, actually, if, if there is someone out there that could read Matthew 28 verses 1 to 8, I just realized I didn't add it to my notes, the text. So if someone out there could read Matthew 28 verses 1 to 8, I would appreciate it.
1: I'll go ahead and read.
0: Okay, go ahead, John.
1: In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him the keepers did shake, and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring his disciples' word.
0: All right, thank you, John. So our introduction is that the women were going to the tomb. They were looking for the body of Jesus so that they could. Um, so that they could anoint it with spices that they didn't have time to do with the Sabbath coming on when he was put into the tomb. And so, that's why they were there. And they get there, and the stone is rolled away. And first of all, everything I've read about this stone says that it's a big stone. I've seen uh, estimates of anywhere from two to like six people put this stone into place. So this is... This is a major undertaking to move the stone. I don't know what the what the women were thinking as far as moving the stone. We don't <laughs> read about their um, plan for that, but they get there and the stones rolled away, and the angel um, tells them he's not here; he's risen, and go tell his disciples that that he has risen just as he said. And in another one of the gospels, it says that when they saw the empty tomb. They remembered his words. It's always interesting to me how he said to them three different times at least, and that's only three different times that are recorded, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be put in chains, I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be um, convicted, and I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to rise again the third day. This is something that he told the disciples with regularity, and yet, they they failed to see it. And at one point, when Jesus is, is um, p- putting this out, Peter's like, far be it from you, Lord. This will not happen to you. And Jesus' response is, get thee behind me, Satan. And so you realize how much of a block the disciples had on seeing the truth that God had for them. So, um, when, the, when the women... Looked into the tomb, they didn't see Jesus there because he wasn't there. So I want to think about today three things that we see when we look into the tomb today. And I have to give credit where credit is due. I was looking at some uh, commentary by David Gesick, and he's a pastor of a church in California and i love his bible commentaries on blue letter bible but i was looking at that and and he was talking about the things that we see when we look into the tomb so i developed the sermon from that so the three things that we see the first thing that we see if you're taking notes is the father didn't abandon jesus forever now remember jesus was the only begotten of the father he was someone that, that pleased his father immensely He he was, if it it was to borrow a modern phrase, the apple of his father's eye. And yet, uh, in some point in eternity past, God said, I'm going to, I want to redeem mankind, and I want you, Jesus, to go and do that on my behalf. And it says in Isaiah that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. But let's look at a couple verses as far as what the relationship between Jesus and his father was. The first one is Matthew three, sixteen and seventeen. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and lighting upon him, and lo a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And of course later in his ministry on the Mount of Transfiguration, um, they saw Elijah and Moses and Jesus, and and uh, Peter, in his zeal, said, "Let's build three tabernacles for one for each of you." And then Moses and Elijah disappeared, and it says that they saw Jesus only, and there was a voice from heaven once again saying, "This is my beloved Son; hear ye him." And so, so, God has always glorified His Son and uh, made His Son front and center in the plan of redemption. And this continued throughout Jesus' life. He would pray um, uh, deep into the night sometimes. At least one time we read of in Scripture, and probably multiple times, He would pray unto His Father. And if He, it's the perfect right. Son of God, needed that kind of fellowship with His Father, that convicts me that I need that kind of fellowship with my Father. That I need to be praying um, on a regular basis. Oftentimes when I wake up at night, um, I, I will try, be trying to get back to sleep, but it's a perfect time, really, to pray and lift my heart to the Lord. I don't always take advantage of it, but it is a good one. Okay, and the second scripture that I want to bring out as far as this relationship between the Father and the Son, again, there was a time on the cross for a period of time when God God forsook his Son. Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There was a breach in the relationship. Why? Because he was taking on himself the sins of the world. And yet, at the end of his life, when he was just about to die, he still trusted his Father. It says um, in Luke 23:45 and 46, And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. You know, that also makes me think of Hebrews. Uh, chapter 12 verse 2 where it says how he despised the shame and endured the pain of the cross and now is set at the right hand of god the father on high and it talks about how even though he knew he would have to endure this separation he knew that he would have glory after that separation he said to his father when when he was um, praying for the disciples before he went to the cross he said restore to me The glory that I had in you before the world was. So he knew that God had that power. And he knew that once he paid the price for our sins, he would be restored to glory. And what a wonderful privilege that is for him to know that. And then uh, we read more about that glory in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 to 11. highly exalted him, and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of things in heaven, and of things in earth, and of things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So, um, God, after Jesus had paid the ultimate price, and was obedient unto death, the death of the cross, he highly exalted him, and gave him a name which is above every name, That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's always an encouraging thing to me. Because I know that even those who openly mock the Lord Jesus Christ will one day realize who he is. I pray that as many of them as possible realize it here on earth so that they can experience God's kingdom with us. But even if they choose not to, they will still acknowledge him on that day. They will still bow the knee even the most um, evil, uh, hate-filled person that you can think of will have that experience where they will finally come to the place where they are um, brought to see Jesus for who He is. Um, Matthew Simpson says, If you live for any joy on earth, you may be forsaken. But, oh, live for Jesus, and He will never forsake you. And I think that's a really good quote when you think about the fact that in Hebrews um, 13, verse 5, it says, um, Be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And the reason he was able to say that is because uh, his father was willing to forsake him for that moment in time that we will never fully understand. You know, we see the physical... We read about the physical implications of his sacrifice. But we have just the slightest inkling of what it meant on a spiritual level for him to do what he did. And um, we never have to feel that agony, that separation that he did because he was willing to feel it for us. Okay, so our first thing we see when we look into the tomb is that the Father didn't abandon Jesus forever. It was just for that moment in time. And then death is dead once and for all. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Um, and the life that I now live, I live in um, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knew that in his own flesh there was no good thing, so he had to die to himself in order to live unto Christ. And that's what Peter is telling us here, that we that he suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he could bring us to God, and that we can be put to death in the flesh and take upon us his spirit and be able to live different lives. Remember, Peter was a coward when it came to, to um, letting people know that he belonged to Jesus that he was one of his close followers he denied that he even knew him and when Jesus looked at him that night and looked him in the eye and he saw the sorrow there because Jesus prediction had come true he went out and wept bitterly but God restored Peter and then he gave him the Holy Spirit and Peter boldly spoke on the day of Pentecost about this Jesus who you crucified God have made both Lord and Christ and if God can use Peter after his failures and his cowardice, he can use any one of us. Secondly, um, we read in Hebrews 9:24 to 28. Uh, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, he hath appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, as is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So we see that Jesus died once for all. You know, the Passover lamb ha- had to be sacrificed once a year um, because it wasn't sufficient to be a permanent um, sacrifice for sins. But Jesus was sufficient to be that, and he did indeed accomplish being the once for all sacrifice. I am so thankful, you know people um, sometimes will say, well I think you can lose your salvation or you can walk away from your salvation, but if I had the power to do that I would have a long time ago, but the spirit of God holds me fast, Christ holds me fast, he's the one that is able to present me faultless before his throne at the end of time, not me, I can't do that, but he can. And he is faithful. And there are times when I when I thought about walking away, but God always held me fast, and he did not let me go until I surrendered to him, so I can testify to the power of this truth in my own life. The third passage that I want to bring up in this regard is first Corinthians fifteen, fifty-four to fifty-eight. So in this corruptible Shall I put on incorruption, and this mortal shall I put on immortality? Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for so much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And I love this passage because it talks about how our corruptible bodies will put on incorruptible incorruption and our mortal bodies will put on immortality. We wouldn't want to be immortal in this, on this world. It's, it's filled with sin and sickness. That's why we're, we're all in our homes today, because our world is imperfect. And, and we struggle with with the fall of sin. But when things are perfected, when Jesus comes back to set things right, then I, I want my immortal body. I want to be perfected in him. Uh, and I'm very excited about that. And then uh, it talks about, O oh death, where is thy sting? O oh grave, where is thy victory? You know, Satan laughed on that Good Friday because he thought that he had won. But all God did was count to three, and then He brought victory in Jesus' resurrection. And then, uh, this last verse is so powerful, but it's only powerful because of the verses before it. Remember, when we see the word "therefore," we need to real- we need to think about what it's there for. Because we've been given the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, He says, "Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable." always abounding in the work of the Lord, for so much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. His power gives us what we need to do the things that he calls us to do. He says, I've given you everything as pertains to life and godliness. Um, here's an illustration from Donald Gray Barnhouse. He says, I was driving with my children to my wife's funeral where I was to preach the sermon. As we came into one small town, there there strode down in front of us a truck that came to a stop at a red light. It was the biggest truck I ever saw in my life, and the sun was shining on it at just the right angle that took its shadow and spread it across the snow on the field beside it. As the shadow covered the field, I said, Look, children, at that truck, and look at its shadow. If you had to be run run over, which would you rather be run over by? Would you rather be run over by the truck or the shadow. My youngest child said, the shadow couldn't hurt anyone. Anybody. That's right, I continued. And death is a truck. But the shadow is all that ever touches the Christian. The truck ran over the Lord Jesus. Only... The shadow is gone over mother. So the sting is death. The sting of death is gone. The shadow of death is all that we have to deal with and he is with us in the shadow of death. Um, and then the third thing we see when we look in the tomb is he is alive. Colossians 3, 1-3 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So, there's no more secure place than having our lives hid with Christ in God. Uh, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. <laughs> Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. There's no more secure place than someone who is loved by the Savior, someone who is his own child. Um, And I'm very grateful for that. There's no way to be more secure than that. We can't make ourselves more secure than that. Um, and so, given that fact, we need to set our affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Um, and then, uh, our next verse, Romans eight thirty three to 35 says, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is, God, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? So Paul is saying in this passage, all these things that could separate us do not have the power to separate us because Christ's power is over all. And I'm so grateful for that. And it's also good to know that even though we are separated by distance... We are still brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are bound by the the greatest binding agent there ever was, the blood of our Lord and Savior. And so I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have uh, a Christ who is risen again, who is at the right hand of God, maketh it, making intersex, intercession for us. Um, it can sometimes feel discouraging, especially... In times like now when we, we hardly leave our homes and we don't have a whole lot on our social calendar and just a whole lot of unknowns that we know, but he is making intercession for us. He hasn't fallen asleep. He never slumbers or sleeps. We can look up to the hills, as the psalmist says, From whence comes our help? It comes even from the Lord, who has made heaven and earth. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. And so uh, I just want to encourage you with that today because it encourages me that none of this stuff that's going on in our world today can separate us from God's love. And I'm so very grateful for this. And then our final scripture for our third point uh, is Philippians 3 8 to 14. of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, that if I may, if I may, if that I may apprehend, that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. One those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, so we see Paul is saying all the things that he he gave up and counts loss, you know he gives a whole list of his credentials, and he says, if anybody who is among mankind had reason to boast, it was me, but none of that stuff that I boasted in was worth boasting in um it was it was nothing compared to what he was in the eyes of Jesus and he realized he was nothing in the eyes of Jesus and the closer that he got to god the the farther along he went into his ministry he uh he had he presented even lower opinions of himself uh you know in one of the epistles he says i am the least of the apostles and then in his last letter to timothy he says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, present tense. And so he realized that he was nothing special, but that the grace of God um, poured out onto him. He said in another place, by the grace of God, I am who I am, lest anyone think that he was someone special. He said, some people say I am of Paul, um, and some people say I am of Apollos, but the important thing is to be of Christ. And so, um, I just think that's really uh, important. And it's interesting, too, that he says he wants to know the power of resurrection. But what comes along with that? The fellowship of his sufferings. You know, some people say that suffering doesn't belong in the life of the believer because God doesn't want you to suffer. But if the very Son of God suffered so that you and I could be made free, what makes us think that we are not that that we are above suffering we are most definitely not but we can be thankful that the ultimate suffering of separation from god and eternal death is no longer something for which we should concern ourselves and then once he talks about that he says he says i'm not there yet i'm not perfect but i'm working to be perfected i am continuing on i'm seeking the best He's pressing on um and one way that he presses on is he forgets those things that are behind you know um if Peter had had said, "Well, I denied you, Lord, I can never be used of you, and he didn't accept Jesus' forgiveness, then he wouldn't have been able to be effective and effective in the first century church. You know there's a lot of parallels in that regard with well, there's one big parallel in that regard with Judas and 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 Peter. Judas uh, betrayed the Son of Man with a kiss and he got 30 pieces of silver and he decided and, and he, he, he did come to an intellectual uh, realization that he had betrayed the innocent blood but he didn't go to Jesus for redemption. He didn't go to Jesus for forgiveness. He just went out and hung himself because he couldn't handle the depression and the pressure of what he had done. And he was—he had to live with himself instead of allowing God to take him and make him new. And in Peter's case, he wept bitterly, but he wept tears of repentance. And we know that, by the way, that Jesus singled him out. When he rose from the dead and he talked to the women at the tomb, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm going before you into Galilee. So we can be assured that even if we have many flaws, God can still use us. The Bible is full of flawed people that God uses anyway, because He wants um, to get the glory uh, for the things that we accomplish for His kingdom. All right, and then um, I have a quote here from Charles Spurgeon. He says, "Emmanuel, God with us, in our nature, in our sorrow, in our life work, in our punishment." in our grave, and now with us, or rather we with Him, in resurrection, ascension, triumph, and second advent splendor. So all those things that He accomplished, we can accomplish through Him. The Bible says that if we die with Him, we will be risen with Him. And what a wonderful privilege that is, what a wonderful truth that is to think about, that He has provided us a way to experience all the blessings of his kingdom for for his sacrifice. He not only gives the blessings, but he gave the sacrifice needed for the blessings. And as I close today, I just want to encourage you, if for some reason you have not yet made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, what better day than Resurrection Sunday to experience a personal resurrection in your life. The Bible says that he who cometh, Jesus says, he who comes to me I will in no wise cast out. And he says that if you come to him in faith, you will be passed in that moment from death to life. My prayer for you is that that would be your experience this Resurrection Sunday. And if you know him, but you're discouraged, be encouraged. Because the same God that sent Jesus into the world to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for our sins. And the same Jesus that appeared in the upper room to the discouraged disciples can meet you where you are. Remember, Thomas doubted. He said, unless I see him, I will not believe you that you saw him. And Jesus appeared to Thomas and said, "Uh, see my hands, see my feet. Touch my side. Know that it is I. And we also read that he ate meat in their presence. The significance of that being that he wasn't a spirit. He said, A spirit cannot eat meat like you have seen me do. So it was very important for him to show that he was still him. That he was in his glorified body. But he was still the human Christ and the divine Christ. The perfect combination of... Of both of those in 100% capacity. And he did that for you and me. And the same one that said peace be unto you. When he met with the disciples. Says peace be unto you today. I I pray that you would uh, accept that. And experience a peace that passes all understandings. Jesus said peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. Give I unto you. Um, but a peace that passes all understanding. And he said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this time that we can look into the tomb and see these things. We can see that the Father didn't abandon you forever, Jesus. And we can see that death is dead forever, that the power of death is no longer over us. And then finally, we could see that He is alive, that we serve a risen Savior, not just a dead um, prophet. And we thank you and praise you for these truths. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.